All right, good evening out there to everybody. Uh, you're listening and watching Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio. I know all you hams that are out there watching know what it is, but we uh, we have guests on uh, International Shortwave that tune in. They may not know what it is or would like to know what the show's about. So ham radio tonight. We're on WBCQ, International Shortwave, on 7490. And uh, if you're out there on Shortwave tonight, uh, shoot us an email to tom at w5kub.com. Tom at w5kub.com. Let us know where you are in the world and if you're hearing the show, and uh, we will uh, we'll get you a QSL card there for uh, a reception report. If uh you will please hit the subscribe button we need everybody to hit the subscribe button that helps our rate uh, ratings uh, on YouTube we haven't had our 40 meter net in several weeks now uh, I have just been too busy trying to keep up with everything and I haven't had time plus the band's been pretty lousy now it might be getting better now so I need to look into that I'm also thinking about just having some uh, impromptu uh, meetings, and we'll post it on Facebook. Well, maybe I'm going to start getting on maybe 20 meters some uh, instead of 40, and that way it allows some other people to get in here with us. So we might start doing that here soon too. Uh, today is what is the day? Today is September September the 7th, I think, and. Uh, we really appreciate everybody that's joined us tonight. Katie is out uh, traveling tonight, so she's not going to be here. Uh, Bill's in the chat room, but we do have Alan, and we've got Glenn with us tonight. It's going to be kind of a light night, although we got some maybe some interesting things to talk about. So let's just jump over and just say hello to, to Alan and make sure he survived. You know, the, the uh, hurricane was... Pretty bad up here in New Jersey. Uh, Alan, how you, how you doing? All right. Hey. Good evening, uh, everybody. Good evening, Tom. Good evening, Glenn, and everybody out there. But, uh, yeah, we've uh, had an interesting couple of weeks on vacation for two weeks. And while I was on the, down the shore on vacation, we had Hurricane Henri pass to the east on the, on the ocean. And that dumped a lot of rain on my vacation, but uh, just over the weekend. And then, uh, of course, we had Ida come through here last week and made a real mess. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later. But uh, we're doing okay, doing a lot better than a lot of my neighbors. So I, you know, feel bad for them. But uh, at least we did we did pretty good over here. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. All right. Well, very good. How about you, Glenn? Um, now you're down in Mississippi, but the hurricane missed. I think the hurricane missed both of us. Yeah, we didn't get anything. I mean, that was kind of surprising. I was expecting, you know. A oh. lot of rain and stuff. And what do you got there? Stuff. What's going on, man? Um, you you need to do you need to do mouth to mouth. <laughs> no, she's busy. Just uh, the desk had stuff on it and uh, it needed to be cleaned. Oh, I thought it might have been a hairball or something. I couldn't tell what's no, going no, on, that man. Is, that is everything must leave the desktop and go to the floor. Well, that, All right. that reminds me of the, of the primary reason that we know that the Earth is not flat, right? exactly because if it was the cats would have pushed everything off that one would have pushed it all off that's right that's right man uh, all right yeah i was kind of surprised that you know we hardly got any rain i think we got like a couple hours of drizzle out of it yeah you know it, it really hit everybody on the east coast a lot harder than us 
Well, yeah, we got practically, like you say, almost just nothing here. I was expecting at least some wind and some rain, but it, it just it completely missed us here, man. Yeah. All right. Well, look, let's tell you what. Let's just jump into this. Let's see. Let's, let's just see what. You know, somebody's sending me something. Let's see. I shouldn't do this on the phone here. I mean, while I'm on the show. Let's see. Uh, Bill Brown's in a chat room. Yep. And let's see. I can't tell you what the I can't tell you what the message said for my son. I can't tell you. But anyway, okay. Hey, uh, hey, this uh, Alan. You got a couple things to talk about tonight. Let's just jump right into it, man. And uh, I'll turn and share screen on. If you got a video or anything you want to show us, uh, we'd love yeah, to see it. Yeah, I think I will. So actually, the first thing I'll mention, just in case we've got any listeners up in the New England area, uh, the the uh, the New England. Um, uh, I guess uh, it, the division of ARRL is having their uh, kind of convention uh, this weekend, September 10th to 10th to 12th. So you can look at any div, uh, November Echo uh, Delta India Victor, any div.arrl.org. You get some information about uh, the schedule for everything with the uh, the convention and ham exposition up there this weekend. So I figured I'd just mention that. I'm, I'm in the mid-atlantic division here uh hudson division so uh it's it's kind of the division kind of a little bit north of us but uh i would mention that and thanks for the reminder uh in the chat room there but yeah a couple things we'll talk about um yeah again apologize i've been gone for quite a while um you know we two weeks on vacation down at the jersey shore which we had a great time did some operating with on qrp and uh from north america 111 for anybody who chases those iotas but had a, had a fun time at an antenna set up uh, about 30 feet above the uh, the what's called the Manahawkin Bay, um, which is uh, between the Long Beach Island that I was on and the coast of New Jersey. And uh, so I had some, had some good luck with operating 5 and 10 watts, so that was kind of fun. But we did have Henri that came by there and dumped about 8 inches of rain um, on us one weekend and flooded a bunch of roads, but uh, thankfully we were high enough, even though we were only about uh, three feet above sea level, we were high enough to not get any water. Mm. But uh, weren't so lucky um, with the um, with Ida. I mean, Ida, they were all week, they were telling us it was going to be heavy rain, but like three to six inches of rain, and over a you know, 12 to 14 hour period. And turned out that uh, central New Jersey had, depending on where you were, anywhere from 8 to over 12 inches of rain in about six hours. So it was just way too much for the the rivers, the tributaries, the runoff areas, and things like that. And uh, we had some pretty catastrophic flooding in, in several areas. And, you know, more than two dozen people lost their lives in New Jersey. But uh and the town that I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm in a town called Bridgewater, but uh, kind of close next to Bound Brook. Uh, Bound Brook had some flooding. South Bound Brook had some flooding. Uh, probably the one you see on the news, if you watched any of the news, is a town called Manville, which is really just the next town over. But it's all kind of surrounding uh, what's called the Raritan River. Uh, the Raritan River kind of runs uh, just south of us here. And then all the tributaries and little brooks that run into it. I've got one that runs just to the south of my neighborhood, one that runs just to the west or the west of my neighborhood. And both of those overflow their banks. So, um, yes, but we were, you know, lucky enough that um, 
the floodwaters didn't get to within more than about a half a block from here. <laughs> so uh, I did spend a couple of uh, four to five hours of quality time with my shop back in the basement, keeping up with the water as it came in. I estimate it was probably in the neighborhood of about 80 gallons of water that came into my basement that I was able to keep up with. So it never got more than about a half inch deep in one part of the basement. So uh, but we did okay. But uh, in going through some video footage that people had taken in the area um, with drones and things like that, uh, I actually found a video that shows, I, I, I got a small glimpse of my house. And while the flooding in this area was just, that I, that's what I'm going to show in this video is due to um, two different brooks uh, that run near my neighborhood. Um, they, they're not where the major flooding was, but it just gives you an idea of how kind of close it was here. So maybe what I'll do is uh, let's bring this one up here and I'll do a quick little screen share of this guy. Uh, let me know when you can see that. Yeah, we can see it. Okay, so what I'm going to do... Um, but, I don't know if you've got control over this, Tom, but where our little videos appear on your outgoing thing, oh. it was over on the my right hand side. Yep, yep, yep. I'll yep. move those because that's going to be the spot where my house shows up. <laughs> oh, I think I, let me work on this. Do that, or what I'll do is I'll make this a little. How's bit that? Uh, let me see what your outgoing feed looks like. Uh, well, yeah, it's going to be yeah, delayed there. I better like that. Yep. Yeah, okay, I think good. they're out of the way now. I think they're out of the way now. Yeah. Okay, let me go back to the video here. And um, yeah, let's see. So if I uh, start running this, this is a, a road that is kind of runs past my neighborhood. My neighborhood is right up over here. And that guy right there is my house. You see where oh. I'm pointing with my mouse? That's yeah. my house right there. You can see floodwaters right here. There's a better shot of my house. In fact, that window is right where I'm sitting right now. Okay. <laughs> right there. So the fact you go up, you can see my pickup truck sitting in the street over here. But you can see floodwaters right here. There's a car up to its bumpers in water. My my poor neighbors here on the corner here and here and over here, their their basement's completely filled with water as the water came up and just filled up the basements through their uh, their bulkhead doors. But um, but this this was a relatively small area. You know, it was only about a, a tenth of a mile along this road, and then but just kind of went down through the neighborhood over here. Um, we just kind of advanced through this a little bit here. You know, there's, a, there's a house that's back up here that was up to you know, halfway above its first floor uh, with water. Uh, and then uh, down the street, let's see, I guess they're just showing bringing a boat in over here. I'm not going to go through this, show mm -hmm. this whole video, but just wanted to give you an idea. Um, yeah, this is the next street over from me. Uh, you can see that there's, a, there's actually a bridge just uh, just past this house over here. That's, you can't even see the supports for the bridge anymore because it was just overrun so much. Wow. But uh, then, you know, half of the cemetery back here was flooded out. But uh, yeah, this is just, and this is the really kind of the minor area. Um, there are the town of Manville, that, which is not far from me. There's neighborhoods there where houses were flooded up to the gutters of the first, you know, of the house. And then there were at least three houses that blew up because once the uh, the floodwaters extinguished the pilot lights and things like the furnaces and hot water heaters. The gas continued to kind of come out, and then once something sparked, like water hitting a electrical panel, you know, we had three houses that just blew up, and then we had a a convention hall in the south end of Manville, pretty good sized convention hall could could hold several hundred people, that uh, that blew up, and when these things blow up, there was you know there was you know, five, six, seven feet of water in the road, so the fire department couldn't get to them, so they just burned right down to the water line, 
So it was a pretty devastating uh, area. In fact, I think the president uh, visited uh, Manville today uh, just to talk with some of the officials there and tour some of the damage there. So it's, it was a pretty devastating thing. And uh, like I said, we made out, you know, really lucky, as you can see. <clears throat> I go back to you know, where my house is here. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was my house is kind of right up here, you know, high wow. and dry. But it was a it's a pretty crazy night. And uh, but uh, you know, so I just feel bad for those those folks that uh, whose basements just got flooded because you know if the foot was if the water was you know a foot or two higher, it probably would have come down my street. And then if any of you've watched my videos, you know all that equipment that I've got uh, in those videos is all in my basement lab. And that would have just gotten completely inundated. So uh, we knockwood uh, mm. you know, made out pretty well with that. So I you know, again, I know that uh, you know other people in the path, you know, through Louisiana and things like that, uh, you know, had things you know bad also. So not to downplay that at all, but uh, it turned out to be a lot worse than anybody predicted here, which was uh, you know, oh, yeah. kind of sad because usually they're pretty good at telling us when things are going to get bad and make some precautions, but. A lot of people were caught by surprise uh, because of this one. Mm -hmm. so. But yeah, so that was that was the adventures here. <laughs> so uh, you know, I don't know if any, anybody else in the chat room had some. Is, uh, is the water still up there? Or has it gone down? No, it, it went down pretty quick. Because a lot of like where I where my, the floodwaters that were here was mostly runoff. So uh -huh. uh, it had, it stopped raining like a, a little after midnight on Wednesday. Uh, the water crested um, about 2 p.m. on Thursday. So about uh, 14, 15 hours later, it crested. And then by Friday, um, by Friday afternoon, uh, those streets that I was just showing you were passable. Um, and then today, uh, the water, even at the river, is just about back to normal. But uh, the, the Raritan River at Boundbrook, which is the water gauge that I watch when things like this happen, Water level is typically around uh, 14, 15 feet, and it crested uh, just a little over 40. So it was, uh, you know, just a crazy rise. Uh, they do have a, a floodgate that they close for downtown Boundbrook, and um, they, with closing that, uh, the water came up to the top of that but didn't go over it. But there was still some some flooding in downtown Boundbrook, but South Boundbrook on the other side of the river. Uh, got flooded pretty bad, and then parts of Somerville, which is next door, uh, parts of Middlesex, which is on the other side of me here, uh, and then a lot of Manville was uh, pretty devastatedly flooded. So it's a you know it's just not a not a good situation. Well, all right, uh, we had some people try to join here. Uh, everybody, uh, we'll bring you in about nine o'clock tonight, or the second half of the show. Uh, the first half of the show is uh, kind of structured and organized, and so um, stand by if you want to join us. We'll uh, I'll bring everybody in a little later uh, in the show. All right. Well, hey, I'm glad you're doing okay there. Um, that's uh, it's not fun. When yeah. you get all that water and mud all over your place there, man, just think yeah. of the cleanup that most, a lot of those people in your neighborhood are having to go through. Yeah, I see Mike in the, in the 
chat room asking, you know, if, uh, if my water, my basement started filling, what would I say first? The the classic irreplaceable tech stuff that I have, or the modern, or the expensive new modern stuff. And the answer is, I guess, as much as I could. If, if I had warning, I would probably have brought as much of it upstairs as I possibly could. But uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't expect it to be that bad. And uh, luckily, yeah. like I said, it didn't uh, didn't get that bad. But you know, so uh, you know, we're we're okay. But uh, you know, we don't they even you know we don't have flood insurance here because it's it's never flooded here in modern history. So uh, at least up to the up to the street level and and to you know and as long as I've lived here, we've never had you know that volume of rain in that short a period of time. So yeah. so the good thing is at least for where I am is that uh, even under this pretty bad situation, uh, we didn't get the devastating flood on my street. So just enough that I can keep up with you know with a, a shop vac. So. If I if I didn't do that, I probably would have had an inch of water in the basement or something. So it yeah. would have been horrible. So, <clears throat> well, that wouldn't have been good. Yeah. So, but I do have something later on if we want to talk about two more ham radio related rather than this depressing stuff. So <laughs> we could talk about that. Well, uh, what alignment of uh yeah of, of well, let's just go ahead and talk about it. Let's okay. Just go yeah. Ahead. So uh, just something I thought would be interesting is. Um, again, switching gears, talking ham radio. Um, I used to get a lot of questions sometimes from, especially new hams. They pick up like an old Kenwood TS five twenty or five thirty or an eight thirty or something like that, and you know, usually the biggest question is, um, how do you tune up the finals on that? And uh, so uh, I did a video on that uh, oh several years ago. Many years, looking at it now, gee, it was June in twenty fourteen. But, uh, but I did a video to show how to tune it up. And before we show the video, maybe we'll just talk about why. Uh, you know, modern rigs, you don't think about it, or you just you hook them up and the rig is expecting to see 50 ohms, and as long as it sees 50 ohms, it's fine. And you use a tuner or a transmat or maybe an, an ATU inside the, the rig to make the antenna system look like 50 ohms. Well, back in, you know, in the days of, you know, hybrid rigs or all tube rigs, the output impedance of the final amplifier was much higher than 50 ohms, much higher than even the uh, open wire line. Uh, so there was always a effectively a tuning network or a Pi network in the output stage that we would use to impedance match from the high output impedance of the tube final to generally the lower impedance of the antenna system, the feed line. So the part of the process of using any of these old hybrid rigs was to adjust the that tuning network, adjust that uh, that Pi network, and uh, involved tuning a couple of controls, uh, generally called the drive, which is really more of a bias level, and then tuning uh, what's called the, the load and the plate, which referred to um, the, the various capacitors that are in the Pi network at, on the output. And uh, the old uh, the old adage was, um, you know, um, to Dip the plate. Dip, dip, dip the plate, maximize the load, right? So, mm -hmm. but to get the get the most power out, dip the plate to transfer the most power out, and so um, so the process of how to do that on different hybrid rigs varied. So I did a video to show how to do it on the TS eight thirty, which kind of applies to most of the Kenwood hybrid rigs, like a TS five twenty, five thirty, eight twenty, eight thirty, and probably some of the others as well. So anyway, with that, let me uh, let me turn on the share. With that, I'm going to turn on let's see, share sound of this as well. So then you can just listen to the narration of the uh, the video here. So uh, so here we 
go. Let's turn that share on. And okay, and we'll go turn the volume up on this and play this video. It's only four minutes long, so then we can talk chat more about it afterwards. All right, this video is to show how to properly load up the uh, finals in your Kenwood hybrid rig. First thing to do is pick the operating frequency that you want to tune up on and preset the controls as follows. Now, ideally, you want to start off by tuning up into a dummy load, which is what I'll be doing. Now, presetting the controls, start with the drive control set to the 12 o'clock position. Adjust the plate control uh, so that you're lined up in the arc for the band you want to operate in. In this case, we're in the 7 megahertz band. We'll just start off at the center of that. And start with the load capacitor is fully meshed. So that's the fully counterclockwise position. Uh, set the mode into the tune position and set the car control to mid scale. And this will be our good starting point. Oh, and also set the uh, meter to the ALC position. This is the good starting point to begin the tuning procedure. Okay, the first step is to adjust the drive control. So with one hand on the send receive switch, flip it to send, and adjust the drive control for a maximum reading. Now, the meter scale doesn't matter at this point, just looking for a maximum reading. Now, if that maximum reading is outside of the ALC reading, uh, the ALC scale, which taps out right there, you want to adjust it down. I like going between half and two-thirds of the way up the ALC scale. Exactly where doesn't really matter, but you want to kind of be inside the ALC scale and repeat the drive control to be sure that you're peaked. So now the drive control is set and the car control is set. You won't have to touch these again. Okay, the next step is to dip the plate current. Flip the meter into plate current measurement mode. Put your hand on the plate control. And then as you flip the send switch up, adjust the plate until you get a dip in the plate current. Just a dip in the meter reading. Okay, find that dip, flip back to receive. That kind of presets the plate. The finals are now in resonance. Now we can go tune up at power. Okay, so now we're ready to tune up at full power. We'll flip the mode to CW, the meter to RF. Now the process is we'll flip to a transmit mode and adjust the load control until we peak the RF power reading and then alternate back and forth between load and plate to find the highest reading that we can find. It's important when you do this to not stay in the send position for more than about 5 to 10 seconds. If it's taking you longer to do that, go back to receive, let the final uh, cool a few, a few seconds, and then do it again. So, Okay, I'll flip to send, adjust the load, find a peak, adjust the plate, peak it up again a little bit more there, and peak up the plate, uh, load, and then we're done. So it should only take you a couple of seconds to find that peak, and we'll go through and verify that again. Flip to send, uh, find that peak, and the peak, and we're done. And now we're all tuned up and ready to transmit on CW. Now if you want to operate single sideband, the last control to adjust is the mic gain. So we'll flip to lower, lower sideband here, and I'll key the mic, and we'll just uh, flip the meter to ALC, uh, so we can read on the ALC scale. And we want to kind of stay kind of about mid-scale or below is a good, a good practice here. So we'll key the microphone, and we can actually see the ALC is just staying about mid-scale. If we turn it up too far, we could be going too much and uh, turn the, the gain down, and we won't get any deflection. So you want that uh, mic gain adjusted so you get about a mid, 
scale reading on the ALC, which is about a 25% reading or so in terms of the overall uh, full deflection of the meter. So that's it. That's all you need to do to properly tune up the uh, finals and the transmit settings on a Kenwood hybrid rig. Thanks for watching. Right. Well, you know, that was uh, <clears throat> that was just common practice back in the earlier days. And uh, it, it, you could do all that in three or four seconds. I mean, once you did it a few times, you knew exactly what you were doing. And, you know, three or four seconds and you had it tuned. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's all it took. And uh, it's surprising because the manual, even though the manual is written, it, 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 it seems pretty clear, but... It, I always found the manual a little bit confusing, so I, you know, I kind of tried to simplify it a little bit uh, from the manual. And the only step that I kind of left out is there is a um, a, a bias uh, a bias current adjustment that you want to kind of verify up front, but it's a, an adjustment on the back of the rig that you rarely have to touch. Yeah. But if you get a, a new one of these rigs, it's new to you, or you replace the finals or something like that. There is that bias adjustment that you want to make, and the, the manual kind of describes how to do that first. So you want to verify that, uh, that your bias current is below some value. I don't remember exactly what it is it's, uh, at this point, but it's uh, you want to kind of verify that first. But I left that out of the tuning procedures because that's not your everyday. You know, yeah, I, I think I never looked at my bias after I said it uh, I, over all those years. And, you know, those are some great rigs. The, that was the 830. Um, I had a complete 820 station here, very similar to that. Yeah, uh, I love that 30 because yeah. when I was originally licensed back in you know, 1980 or 81, you know that was the king of the rigs. You know back then, right? And it was mm -hmm. a rig I wish I could have gotten, but as a high school kid, you know, in, in 1980, there was no way I could afford one of those. So it was just one of those things that stayed on the wish list for years and years. And it wasn't until many years later that I bought this one used. Um, and I already had the rig that's sitting above it. You see, the bottom of the rig that was above that was, in fact, it's still sitting, still sitting behind me there, right there now, right? So yeah, yeah. You know, the thirty on the bottom, the rig above it's the eight seventy. Okay, um, but those are those are the rigs that I have. And it was was it even after I had the eight seventy, I came across this eight thirty. Uh, Need a little bit of work um, uh, on, this, on the CW side of things that I was able to take care of. And that was an interesting repair, as, as one of these things, the, the CW worked, but the side tone didn't, and I couldn't figure out why. So I never, I didn't have a side tone when transmitting CW. So I went into the rig and was going in there, and I found a, a wire that looked like it had been broken off of that mode switch, you know, where you switch from tune to CW to, C, to single mm -hmm. sideband. So it was a wire that was <clears throat> broken off, sitting right there, just like broken off. So I resoldered it back on there, and... Uh, so I said, okay, great. And I, so I turned the rig on, put it in CW mode, and oh, I had a side tone. Great, that was it. Closed the whole rig back up again. And But then I figured out that as soon as I put it in CW, I had the side tone all the time. So whoever had the rig before me had that problem, couldn't figure out how to fix it. They just cut the wire off the mode switch. Oh, <laughs> so, boy. So, uh, so it turned out uh, it was an interesting <coughs> problem. The, um, the side tone oscillator in this radio is a simple like single transistor phase shift oscillator that mm -hmm. uh, is just basically a looks like a, a common emitter amplifier with a phase shift network around it to cause the thing to go into oscillation at approximately 700 hertz or so and then there's a couple there's a diode in that feedback path that um, essentially is used as a switch 
So when you before if you don't have to put the key down, um, the diode's reverse bias looks like an open circuit. The feedback loop is open and it doesn't work. And then when you push the key down, the diode gets forward bias to close the feedback loop and it, and it oscillates. But it turned out that the diode was leaky. Mm. If you if you only if you reverse bias the diode by five or ten volts, it was fine. If you reverse bias the diode by about sixty volts, which is what happens when you unkey the rig the diode would go leaky and go low impedance again and close the loop. And I figured it out because when I had the key hooked up, if I put my hand on the key, like shorting the key out with just my fingers, that, that couple hundred thousand of ohms of resistance from my fingers mm -hmm. across the contacts was enough to drag the voltage down so that the diode wouldn't leak anymore. So, uh, so that's Well, the there's of, your fix right there. Just when you operate, keep your yeah, fingers across the contacts. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So, Put finger here. Right, exactly. So, <coughs> so it turned out that that was enough to drag the voltage down because the open circuit voltage was a very high impedance, so it didn't take much to drag it down. So anyway, replacing one diode fixed that, and everything was all back up and running. Well, you know, I, I love those rigs uh, that, that Hybrid Deer had 26146s in it. Uh, the, they, the 820s did. Uh, think uh the five let's see there's a 570 i think no that may be all solid state 530 520 and 530 at the same yeah time. the 520 520 yeah uh all had that and of course my first sideband rig that i built was the uh hw 100 it was a heath kit it had a pair of uh 6146s that was a very popular tube back then and um it was really neat and i liked the uh, the pine network it matched really wide loads uh, it was just really, uh, really cool to operate back then. Yeah. Nowadays, you just uh, plug it in, turn it on, and operate. You know, no, you don't, you don't dip the plate or peak the load anymore. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> that uh, that reminds me. We talked about on the show a few weeks ago uh, that new uh, Mission Three amplifier i don't i don't know if you were on or not then it's a solid state no, no, no. it's a 1200 watt solid state amplifier um and i was going to buy it i was ready to go ahead and buy it it, it basically it's, it's a, a semi kit everything come you know the case but he has all the modules you have to you have to wire in the, the connectors and you have to wire the, the mount the modules and connect them with cables uh but he had a fairly good price twenty five hundred dollars for a uh, you know, 1200 watt amplifier. You know, no tune, no tune again. And yeah. uh, uh, that's, I was interested in that. And uh, I contacted them, and um, they're not taking any orders right now. They're retooling, they said, and uh, they didn't answer my question. So I, I sent them another note back, and I said, hey, you know, when would they be available if I place an order? And they said, well, we told you last in the last email, which I didn't like that answer. <laughs> and I went back, I looked at my last email, and they didn't tell me. Okay. So they finally told me that, you know, I could order in September, and I could probably get it in five to six months. So I had to give them half the money up front. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, I've got a nice, I've got two nice amps here. I've got a, um, I've got an Alpha 86 here. It'll run, you know, 1,500 watts key down for 30 days. And uh, it's just that you have to tune it, though, you know. Yeah, yeah. You have to tune it. It's not... It's not solid state, so. Uh, I had a TL922 for a while. That yeah. was a great, great amplifier. But I sold it uh, when I moved here because, as uh, you can kind of tell from that video, I'm <coughs> in suburbia. 
and uh, my neighbors are really close you know and uh yeah i know that uh, i had problems sometimes in my own house with you know when i was running power in my previous house and i had a lot more <clears throat> distance between my neighbors and right now my antenna is closer to some of my neighbor's house than it is mine so i figured i'll yeah. make it without the amp and yeah i do pretty good here i haven't had any complaints i don't even know if they know if the neighbors even know i'm a ham they don't see my antennas or anything but you know at my other house before we moved here i had a uh antenna when it was pretty low across the top of the house between two trees and we have alarm system which is both fire and you know burglar and uh when i'd run that amplifier it would set the fire detector off and there, there on a system like it there's no way to disable the fire you can disable the you know the security part but you can disable the fire so i actually had the fire department come out and pay a visit to me one time Oh yeah, I don't want that. Yeah, the worst that I for me would I get into the <clears throat> telephone and I get in, I'd actually pop the uh, the GFI breaker in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, and you know I'm running I'm running uh, this this um, Alpha eighty six. I wired it uh, for uh, one twenty. It of course would probably work much better on two twenty, but I didn't want to run the one the two twenty back here. Uh, I can easily get 12, 1300 watts out of it on, on 120 volts. So, I'm, you know, I'm not so worried about, you know, putting it back on 220. I'm just going to leave it like it is. Yeah. Well, I, I, after now, over time, when people have kind of changed, moved over to, you know, solid state lighting and things like that, my noise floor is kicked up so high in this neighborhood that. An amplifier won't do me any good. I'd be able to hear. I'd be yeah. able to talk to people. I wouldn't be able to hear. So, so I'm just as well working just 100 watts or less now. So. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks uh, for showing us that. And there's. I, I was looking at the chat room. I, there's some. I'll say relatively new. I, well, they may, they may not be too new because these uh, solid state rigs have been out quite a while. But they're, they were talking about. They were so glad that they uh, had a new rig and they didn't have to go through all that. Hey, it wasn't a big deal, man. I mean, you know, we could we could touch those knobs up in about three or four seconds if you knew, yeah. you know, once you did it. Second nature, man. Yeah, once once you did it. Um, well, you know. and the nice thing too it was it's effectively a tuner. So as long as you had a reasonably decent, uh, you know, uh, impedance looking into the rig, you could tune into a, a five to one or more SWR, and just again to follow the same tuning process, and it does the impedance match. So you didn't have to, you didn't really have to have the antenna tuner unless yeah. you were like, you know, 40 to 1 SWR or something like that. So you can could, you could tune into a non-resonant load pretty easily with that. So it really kind of eliminated that one piece. You didn't really need that. Yeah, I don't think I even had an antenna tuner uh, uh, for a number of years, really. No, neither did I. I mean, yeah. it was like, who needs a tuner? The rig tunes, it loads, it's happy, let's go. Yeah, uh, and we didn't even have an SWR meter back then. Yeah, yeah tune for max smoke. Maximum, man, maximum. And, uh, you know, tune, hey, dummy load is a 100-watt light bulb. Well, yeah, that's uh, people, yeah, you tune, we have a, an RF current meter sometimes, just tune yeah. for maximum current in the feed line, and that was it. Yeah. Or, yeah, or okay. have a light bulb near it, just tune for the brightest light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, very good, man. Hey, thanks for sharing it with us. Oh, no problem.
I've got several other things here we'll, uh, we'll pick up on in just a minute. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute or two, everybody. So just stand by with us and uh, don't go away. June kicked off hurricane season, and another rough wildfire season may be on the horizon. When natural disaster strikes, cellular towers and power grids can quickly become overloaded and down. Emergency comms need to be instant, reliable, and allow interoperation with other organizations and agencies. Amateur Radio provides reliable emergency communications with the added security of system redundancy. In addition to our lineup of amateur D-Star digital HF and analog radios, our ICSAT 100 portable satellite radio and the IP501HM LTE radios are an ideal solution for the additional coverage. ICOM's ICSAT 100 is the perfect handheld satellite radio for use outside of cellular or network range by operating on Iridian's constellation of satellites, quickly and easily connect with other PTT devices, even from remote areas. The IP501H and the IP501M radios provide instant wide area coverage over LTE. By using the LTE network, you bypass the need for a pre-existing infrastructure, allowing nationwide coverage without the added cost of building and maintaining your own. Connect to all of these devices and more, even systems operating on different protocols, with the VEPG4 ROIP gateway. From land mobile and LTE radios to IP communications terminals and IP phone systems, they work together to form one seamless an uninterrupted network ensuring your comms are received. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. From QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. All right, guys, we're back. And... uh so just want to let everybody know we've got the East Tennessee Ham Fest coming up in two weeks, September 25th in Sevierville. It's going to be at the fairgrounds, and somehow they picked me to come over and be the keynote speaker. Now I think they give me a crown and uh, I got a gold chair to sit in and all that kind of stuff. I don't, it's at the fairgrounds, so I, I don't know. But uh, anyway, we're happy to be going over there, and uh, we're looking forward to it. We're going to talk a little about a few different things. We're going to talk about uh, ham radio and uh, how, you know, a lot of the, the fun I've had in ham radio over the last uh, almost 60 years. And we'll talk about um, uh, some of our uh, balloon uh, uh, events that we did. And uh, I really want to thank uh, Bill Brown right now. Bill's in the chat room. He's not on the show tonight. Bill is... Uh, uh, with uh, some some folks there that are ill with COVID right now, I think so. He's taking care of them, um, and uh, but Bill has been a great influence to to me in helping me uh, 
learn a lot about the different balloons. And Bill is a real expert. Uh, he has flown probably a thousand, not only Pico balloons, but the high-altitude high balloons. I want to, to run a little short video. It's about four minutes long, four or five minutes long, that I pulled together. Uh, you may have missed... Uh, you may have missed our high altitude. You know, we've, we've been doing the Pico balloons uh, around the Earth, and we decided to try to go with a high altitude. Now, the thing about the high altitude balloon is it doesn't go for days. The life t the lifespan of a high altitude balloon, in our cases, is maybe three to five hours. And uh, it's planned that way because uh, you want to go maximum altitude pretty quick, and you want to come down pretty quick because if it's slow, uh, you know, the 130-mile-an-hour jet stream up there uh, might take it 200 miles away from you. If you're trying to recover it, you don't want to drive 200 miles to recover it. So I'll pull together uh, some little excerpts of our last uh, uh, high-altitude balloon and our only one. And everything went perfect. Except we made one wrong turn. We were within probably a, a fourth of a mile of recovering the balloon, and we made a wrong turn, uh, and it hit the ground. I think it would have been perfect if we had just been under it, and we could have ran out there and, and caught the balloon as it came down. It traveled. It went over. It went over 20 miles high, and it traveled about 65 miles from Tennessee to Mississippi. And we were there in Mississippi waiting for it. In fact, we had time to stop at McDonald's uh, while it was coming down. And we had a little breakfast there. And then we went back to uh, try to get close to the recovery site. And we actually recovered it. And uh, uh, so I've got a little video here I'm going to show you real quick. And uh, you'll... Um, now, it's kind of geared up for excitement, so uh, I may have exaggerated on a couple of things. I don't know, but uh, maybe not. Let's just see what it looks like here. Uh, here we go. Let me see if I can bring it up. All I got to do is figure out how to work this stuff here. Okay, here we go. That's not what I want to do. Here we go. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.
so there you are guys that's uh that's what it looked like from our end well i just took some uh, little excerpts uh throughout the day that was uh, a period of about three hours probably an hour and a half up and an hour and a half down roughly and uh it was uh it was exciting and i still think about it um we had i didn't have any expectations that we would exceed a hundred thousand feet we did and i didn't have any expectations that we would uh recover it and uh didn't want to put a whole lot of money into the payload but we had three cameras in there let's see we had three cameras in there we had uh aprs tracker in there uh we had a uh, find me spot uh, gps satellite tracker in there uh battery packs in there and let's see i forget what else we had parachute you know the works and uh mississippi has a lot of cypress swamps down there and if it had gone down in one of the swamps we would have never got to it but uh you know everything went almost perfect with that flight from the launch to uh the time it came down we hadn't made that wrong turn uh i think we we probably could have been right under it when it came down so uh that was uh that was really interesting i, I i'm afraid to try to do it again that went so well tough to beat yeah, what, what was that that would be tough to beat that it wouldn't, yeah it wouldn't so that, no, that one was just too perfect that went so well man i don't I, you know i don't know that we can do it again and and we'd probably lose everything on the next flight but the reason we added the track the satellite tracking service in there was you know aprs is that as that tracker got down you know maybe 100 feet above ground or 200 feet it, it might not be picked up by aprs and we would not get any more tracks after it got down close to the ground uh the thing about the uh, the find me spot is it works on the ground and let's say some kids beat us to it and picked the package up and took it home uh the the uh, spot tracker would have helped us go to their house and recover recover the uh, the balloon there funny. But, my wife and i were out running a bunch of errands and uh, we happened to be grabbing a quick bite to eat and i was able to i think it was just about when you're ready to find it i was able to pull it up the live stream on my phone so i had it propped up on the dashboard of the car yeah and they were sitting eating our lunch watching the watching you find it it was, it was, it was fun yeah it was it was it was fun we didn't we didn't know what was going to happen but uh it 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 all came together just uh, almost perfect and uh that was probably one of the more exciting uh things we've done but with balloons and ham radio in my you know 60 years with uh, ham radio and uh you know the pico balloons are nice and they're fun and you fly them around the world or go around three times four times there's guys that, that are flying some very small four dollar balloons that have been around the world now six and seven and eight times and uh uh i mean that was fun but it gets a little boring and and we we kind of almost mastered that we we met our goal there we got one up we we got it around the world it made multiple trips around the world and um you know so this was this was very much different this one is uh designed to go up and burst and uh, where the pico balloons just float so uh Wow, it was uh, it was interesting. So anyway, we're gonna. I'll talk a little about that 
at the uh, East Tennessee uh, Ham Fest uh, in a couple weeks here, and um, a lot of people have shown interest in it, and uh, want to uh, again say thanks to, uh, to 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 Bill for all his help there. We're going to be launching a Pico balloon at the East Tennessee Ham Fest if the weather's good. Uh, after I after I do my talk, we'll we'll uh, go out and we'll launch one. And uh, we're going to launch one of Bill's trackers, one of Bill's Scott trackers. Uh, and uh, who knows? It might it might stay up uh, around the world and, and make it around the world. Um, um, you know, our first, our very first flight that we launched, uh, Bill launched it for us, and it was just in one of the silver uh, uh, small party balloons. It made it all the way to um, to Japan, and um, it, a storm it got it, a storm hit it so it's possible when we launch this thing uh, from the ham fest it it could make it around the world we hope so if it doesn't uh we're uh, planning on maybe some uh some new higher altitude launches coming up soon after that we'll let this one come down first uh, this one i expect and uh, bill mike can tell us better i think Bill, we're going to use a 36-inch clear balloon. I think I've got I got both here, but I think we're going to use a 36-inch clear balloon. And I'm trying. It's been so long since I flew one of those. I, I don't remember the altitude that we can fly them at. I'm guessing. I'm guessing around 28,000. Maybe Bill can help me here because I I would like to know that. Seems like it'll fly about 28,000. That's about the maximum altitude, but. We're going to go back in on our next one after that, and we're going to try to do at least the 45,000. That's just about the limit that anybody can do. There's no material or balloon uh, at a reasonable price, unless you're the U.S. government, that you can float higher than about 45,000 feet. And uh, there's been a lot of people trying to build one. In fact, we're going to get back on that. You saw some of our previous uh, uh, endeavors to try to build a balloon, uh, which... We pressure test uh, for the altitude and so forth, and uh, it's tough. It's tough finding a material. So far, we haven't found a material yet, but we're gonna we're gonna try to do it. Bill says twenty-eight thousand, so uh, my memory was uh, about right there. All right, so okay, well, if the weather's bad, we won't launch. We can't launch. Uh, we we learned the hard way. Uh, you can't launch. These balloons have very little lift to them. Just a few grams of lift, and uh, uh, you get any moisture on it, rain on it, it'll come down. If a bird poops on it, it'll come down. Believe me. So you know, it's got to be a got to be a nice day, and uh, well, we're gonna have fun doing it. We're gonna be over in after uh, after we do uh, the East Tennessee Ham Fest on the 28th. Uh, we're gonna go on over to our home in North Carolina and probably stay about a week. And um, we'll do the show from over there. Uh, and if some of you guys had tuned in uh, before the show started, you might have heard me talking about uh, some uh, new uh, things we're working on here. And um, I'm, I'm looking at a new system to webcast with. We're presently using webcast. It's a really high-end it's almost like a TV station type production thing. 
and and I have multiple PCs networked here to bring people in on Skype and in broadcast and chat room and all this stuff. I have found a solution that it looks very promising that I don't even need software to stream this show. I can do it with a browser, with just a browser, my camera, and a microphone. And um, it, uh, it lo- I've been testing it. It looks very, very uh, good. Uh, it lets, it'll let me bring in people into the show, just like right now. We've got Alan and, and Glenn here on Zoom. Uh, we, uh, I'm bringing them on Zoom on a different PC. But this new thing I'm looking at, I can just send them a link, a link, and they can connect on it. They don't even have to have any software. They become parts of the video, and I can just by clicking on them, bring them into the show and out. And uh, it's uh, all cloud-based. That means no processing power going on here in the PCs. And uh, the nice thing about that is, and I wish I had done this in, at Huntsville, you know, it, it, it's getting very tough to roll that 80-pound cart around, yeah, around people and everything. And uh, with this new way to connect, uh, let's say I had a couple volunteers that had smartphones. Looks like Glenn dropped. Let's say I had a couple people with some smartphones. All I have to do is send them the link. They click on that link, and they're instantly on the show. And they can walk around with their uh, smartphone and be roving news reporters or, you know, get video. And I can bring them right into the show. They can either be on Wi-Fi. They could be on, uh, you know, one of the uh, 4G, 5G networks. It doesn't make any difference. Just And I can click on their picture on my browser, and I can bring them in and out of the show. And, and, and I can even talk to them. And I can say, hey, Alan. Uh, back up a minute. Let me look at that Collins gear again. It's actually be two-way contact with them, and they can actually put the camera on that, and you would see it. And I can make it full screen, or I can make it half screen, or whatever. So this thing looks really exciting. We're going to try this out uh, from uh, North Carolina the 28th, and uh, I'll bring Katie Allen and uh, Bill and, and Allen in on uh, uh, with the new system, and we're going to see how it works. Um, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles that this has, but I think it has uh, quite a few other things that will make it work very well for us. All right. Hey, uh, guys, you remember I was going to build up that little uh, memory button deal for my 7610, uh, for the, the audio memories. Uh, the 7610 has eight audio memories in it. Uh, I built up the little... Uh, 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 device. It only took four resistors and it, actually four resistors, four push buttons, and that's it. And uh, I, I finished it up today. I'll show it to you. And uh, very simple, but uh, it works pretty cool. So let me see if I can bring it up here. It's about a 30 second video. Uh, I tried to get on here tonight. Let's see. Mm, okay, here we go. Oh, yeah, here we go. Hey guys, well, I finally uh, had time and I finished a little project around here. Uh, you know, I told you I was going to build the uh, 
little buttons for my ICOM 7610 uh, that that did the memory, and I I, I finished that today, and I'll I'll give you a little demo. It's real simple to do. See if I can turn the camera around a little bit here. All right, so here's the box I showed you. I put me eight buttons in there. I'm only going to use four buttons. Um, I, I don't think I have more than a need for four memories. Uh, I've got the rig turned down to zero power so I can demonstrate it. So let me turn up a little, let you. I've already programmed the channels, but watch this. Uh, this is great for contesting or whatever. Here we go. This is Whiskey 5, Kilo Uniform Bravo, W5, KUB, calling the weekly roundtable net. Do we have any check-ins? Test 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Test uh, number 3, test 1, 2, 3, number 3, test 1, 2. Test uh, number 4, number 4, uh, memory, test 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Okay, very simple to build, and uh, I think I'm going to like it, uh, particularly for contests or anything like that. The book, uh, the manual shows you how to build it. There it is. Let's see if I can get it focused. So uh, that's for the ICOM 7610. I think there are other rigs that have the memory in there. I'm not sure how you interface to it, but uh, there it is. And I uh, hope, uh, hope you enjoyed it. I guess another All right. way you could, uh, you could do that, Tom, if, uh, if you wanted, is uh, you could do a rotary switch to select which message you want and then one button to play it. Uh, or you can do it the way I did it. Um, the Yaesu FH2 yeah. is virtually the same design, the keypad for the Yaesu rigs. I use a uh, programmable potentiometer chip. I use two chips to replace all those precision resistors and power it from the, Arduino. <clears throat> these weren't even precision resistors. I was a little worried yeah. that, that nah. they, they may not be right, you know. I mean, uh, you know, I measured them and tried to get as close as I could. You know, uh, one, you know, the the fifteen hundreds were measuring, you know, fifteen seventy and stuff like that. And I thought, well, I might just pick me up, pick me out of my junk box here, maybe four little miniature uh, pots and put in there and just adjust them. But uh, I didn't have any trouble using the fixed resistors, and uh, it worked fine. I don't think I'll have a need for more than four uh, voice recordings there. Yeah. I use two for my contest stuff, and that's, you know, pretty much all I can remember to use. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see if it, we do. We have anybody new in the chat room tonight? I'd like to know if we've got anybody new that has joined us that hadn't been with us before. That'd be cool. And uh, if you are, uh, we're glad to have you here. Um. Just remind everybody again, if you haven't done it yet, please hit the subscribe button. The subscribe button helps us out tremendously. I just wonder how everybody likes the chat room. We've gone back to the IRC chat room. I just wonder how, how everybody likes it. You know, I thought at one point when we went to the YouTube chat room, it was just easy for people because it was already there. You didn't have to log in, but... You know, you can't please everybody, and um, uh, we had some issues. We had some issues on the uh, YouTube chat room. It just 
didn't function very well for us. Uh, it, it, it was almost impossible to change your name, use your call letters. Uh, uh, Hambot was not designed to work with uh, with the YouTube chat room. Hambot is 100% compatible with any IRC chat room. So, you know, we used to be on uh, Freenode. Uh, they went bonkers and went crazy. And uh, now we're on uh, Libera chat. Libera chat is fairly new. But uh, they're, um, I think they're going to be a good, good chat company. A lot of people are, are getting on there. So um, I hope that you like the uh, IRC chat. Um, Windows, for security reasons, there's, we're restricted in some, some program. You know, used to, I, I had a link there where you could pop out the chat room uh and pop out the video right now you can pop out the video if you want to and move it around uh but uh the industry has the industry industry has changed things they don't like they don't like pop out windows anymore they pretty much uh stopped that and uh, even if you use the, the code to pop out a new window it will not pop out a new window anymore. It it reverts to pop out new, or it reverts to open new tab. And I've talked to a lot of uh, WordPress experts and other people, and it's just that's a security issue, and it's getting impossible to try to uh, try to get around that. But if you've got two monitors, uh, I can put a link on there where you could you could actually uh, click on and move the chat room. To a second monitor and keep the video on the other monitor. If you got two monitors, you can easily separate chat and video and make them full screen. But hopefully, you're able to, uh, you know, manipulate it uh, however you want to and make it make it look okay. And what I what I found is I can't please everybody out there with it. So, uh, I, but I, th I think uh, I'm happy going back to IRC. We have more control over it. It's easier for us to use. You guys have a a favorite uh, IRC client to use on Windows? You know, I use uh, uh, and I'm not using it tonight. I haven't even installed it here yet. But HexChat is free. HexChat is really really uh, nice, and you know it'll keep a log of everything. Uh, and uh, this site, this uh, Libera uh, chat site. Uh, has links to help you set up things like uh, hex chat and other things. It tells you pretty much how to how to do it. Also, Teresa, I don't know if Teresa's in here. Uh, she is, uh, set up hex chat last week. Uh, I've got mine set up in the office, running in there in the office. But uh, I, I I pretty much uh, am comfortable with the uh, the embedded uh, uh, the chat that uh, I've got embedded here. Actually, it works pretty good. It looks like a hex chat's. It's got a free trial. Well, hex chat is free, or well, it should be free. Yeah, it says it's a free trial, and then a nine ninety nine if you want to buy it. So I'm not sure what the difference is. Oh uh, yeah, we'll have to look into that. It it may be one of those that they give it to you anyway, but they would like the money. Uh, there's another one out there. MIRC is another pretty good one. Um, there there's a bunch of them out there. If you just do a, a search, Google search for IRC clients, you'll you'll see a number of them out there. All right, well let's do this. Uh, let's uh, open up a Zoom for our viewers out there.
And I don't have the Zoom link here. I can get it. Can you put post the Zoom link, uh, Alan, or uh, the current one that we're using? Yeah, yeah, the, the current one. Yeah, let me let me go grab it. If you can do that, yeah, uh, that keep me from having to open up my mail. Well, let's see. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, go copy that and go to the chat. Uh, pop that in there. Boom. There we go. Okay. All right, folks. There's the uh, there's the link for the chat room here. If you'd like to, not the chat room, but uh, the Zoom link. And if you'd like to uh, join us, we'd love to have you on here. Let's see how many people we can get on here tonight. I'd love to have a hundred people join us tonight. <laughs> so we got uh, Michael in here. Yeah. Hello, Michael. I'm on the XChat website right now. Yeah. They're, they're mm. saying it's completely free for Windows and Unix. Oh, maybe I was on the wrong site. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. Yeah, you'll, you'll hey. like Hicks yet. Yeah, go ahead. Let's see. Uh, hey, Tom, yeah. got a question for yeah. you. Yeah. The uh, the deal where you try to register your name and yeah. everything, Yeah. I've tried to do that at least five times now, Yeah. and it does not work at all. What are you doing wrong? Because it's working for everybody else. What'd I you- I did uh, What I did was I went on your register now link. And I yeah. scrolled down to where the code was, uh, where the code is that you typed. And I took that code and I copied and pasted it, but I changed the information to where it was my email address and my password. Yep, and when yep. I typed that in there, it didn't return with anything. It just right. went to a blank screen. All right. But, but, but what it's going to do, it's going to send you an email. Didn't even do that. Have you looked in your spam folder? Let me do that real quick. It, it will send you an email if you didn't, uh, you know, uh, finger some wrong letters or something. It'll send you an email, and you'll you'll copy the link that they send you, and you'll paste it back in the chat room, and you'll be completely uh, registered. Nope, didn't get it. Not in the spam folder either. Okay, so you log into the chat room. With, yeah. with the name that you want to use. And if the, you, yeah. you're not currently in the name you want, you do a slash Nick and then mm-hmm. type your name however you want to use it, you know, mm-hmm. your call letter, yeah. underscore your name. And then you send, and then after you do that, you send uh, that string uh, that's a slash message string that's on, the, on that information sheet. And you're right, you got to put in your your uh email and i think you put in a let's see you put in your email and you put in a password i don't remember what you put on there well what what did did it ask what did it ask for i forget it puts it asks you for an email address and it asks your password and none of that works okay well it works because other (laughs) yeah others others are doing it and and i'm i you know I'm, i'm doing it too so uh something happened with you then uh Okay. Uh, we have to just look at very try to try to register you another one. Okay. Uh, try to register you another one, and of course, use a different name. I mean, use your name, okay. or you know, uh, your call first, then your name, or your name first, then your call. Just make it a little different. Okay. And and and, and copy that string, that okay. slash message, uh, register string. Mm-hmm. You put your password and your email in there and send okay. it. And once you send it. a different browser as well. 
once you send that, once you send that, um, you should receive an email at that email address okay. that says to complete your registration. Mm. Cop copy this link and paste it, and then you're mm. you're you're good to go. Um, Try that. It may be, you know. I've noticed lately a lot of stuff's been going in my spam folder, and I didn't. I've never really looked there that much, uh, but I'm lately I found a lot of stuff in here. Uh, okay, uh, I, I assume Michael, you were using your name and call or something like that, right? Yeah, I was using yeah. my. Well, today I was trying to use just my call sign, and um, when I did the uh, the code that you were telling me about to try and register the thing i i did that and put my email address in my gmail address i put that in there put a password in there and nothing really happened it just went to a blank screen um it, it will look blank to you um mm-hmm. um there is a uh, I'm trying to see how you get to it. You sh- there is a message that comes back to you if you look on your uh, if you look on your left side of your chat room. Do you see uh, Do you see the chat room, the pound W5KUB? Yeah, I, I've, do you see I've Do you see Nick that. serve? Do you see Nick serve there anywhere? No. Okay. It it's this chat room is not very user friendly for the disabled. Really. I've, I'm not at all impressed with it. It does not meet ADA compliance. And why Why is that? Well, for one thing, if you're a visually impaired user, mm-hmm. take that for example. If you're a visually impaired user, how are you going to be able to read the large print without having a, uh, a text-to-speech client or any of that? You know, take the – take for example, if you've got a vision impairment – and you're trying to read the information on the screen, you really can't read it because the text is a little tiny. Well, um, you know, do, do you know how to make the text larger? I've actually looked at that, and right. you can actually mouse click, and it will make it bigger. All right, all right. You, just, just as you can make anything larger on a browser, if you hold the control key down and hit the plus, yes. Yes. That will make things. The more times you hit the play, you can make you can make those words so big you can have one word at a time on the screen. Now I'm in the chat room right now, uh-huh. and I just put my call sign in as the guest ID as the ID right now, uh-huh. and that's where I'm at right now. So the thing that I'm curious about is, do you do that long string of code? Um, after you've done that, or how does that work? Okay, the instructions say log in with the name that you want to use. Yep. If that's you what I did. if you don't have the name you want to use, you can change it by typing slash nick space and then whatever name you'd like to use. Yep. And then then you have to copy that slash message um, uh, nick serve register message. And put you yep. a password and um, email in there. Yeah, hit, I hit tried enter, that. Hit enter, I, and you should yeah. get an email back uh, with a confirmation link that you paste in, and you're good, you're good to go. 
We'll look into it. I don't know if anybody else having uh, issues with it. Try it with a different name. Uh, okay. Check your spam. Uh, you know those kind of now, things. Do you have to put that? Do you have to put that command where it says uh, Nick serve register? Do you have to put that in and not the email address and then hit enter? No, you I mean, put it. That- you put it all in, all in at one time. Slash message Nick serve register, and you put in your. Uh, your password and your email address all goes in the same string, and then you enter that. Okay. Um, let me try that now. Okay. All right. Well, who, we, who else we got in the room up here? We got, hey, uh, hey uh, uh, Carlos. How you doing, Carlos? Charlie. How you doing, Charlie? Fine. Hello. How are you? Doing, Hello, everybody. Doing good, man. Doing good. Let me get this on here. Here we go. All right, how are things down in Uruguay tonight? Oh, it's rainy. Oh. It's not very cold, but it's rainy. But but it's okay. We are getting out of uh, winter. Yeah. And slowly, so no problems there. Well, no, and we'll okay. be going into winter real soon. Yeah. And, that, you know, that's going to be good for us because winter is the best time to fly a Pico balloon. The uh, uh, because the storms go away in the summertime, we have such big storms above the equator. But uh, uh, wintertime, uh, the balloons seem to fly a lot longer because there are a whole lot less storms, you know. Yeah, if uh, I was wondering that we I should contact if, if we are going to go with a club uh, someday, we will someday launch a Pico balloon. Uh, and we will talk to uh, these guys in Argentina that uh, are doing pico balloons for a long time now. So they, of course, will have the the best time of the year to, to do the launches and everything uh, here from the south uh, hemisphere. All right, all right. Let me uh, let me hey uh, let me stop you, Michael. Michael, are you there, Michael? Michael. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, I I just I, I see your password. Yeah, I'm trying it. Here's here's what. Hey, hey, Michael, you didn't put a slash in front of message, so that the, oh, oh, you have to put a slash in front of that, and nobody nobody will see it, and that that will then go to the to the Nick serve. So okay. if you if you do if you did that, of course, right now you might want to use a different password because people yeah I'll use a different one. people know that that is going to be your password. So put a slash in front of it, use a different password, and that's how you that's how you do it. Okay. Yeah, I'll try it while I'm on here, and I'll let you know what happens. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just want uh, uh, Charlie back to you. I just want to let Michael know that he he didn't put a slash oh, in oh, it. So. Okay. Great. No, just just. Uh, just that, but then I was uh, listening to you when you said that pico uh, balloons are getting boring. And yes, what we loved about uh, balloon launches was the activity generated around the launch. You know that yeah. uh, from the, the people that went uh, fox hunting when to to pick up the load, uh, the payload, or uh, than the people that went to the launch site to to put uh, uh, earth stations to, to, to do all the tracking, to the people that do all the software, and, you know, from contacting everybody waiting for a balloon launch to contact uh, through, uh, we, we had one with a repeater. So, no, we have a cup, had a couple of them with a repeater, and we, 
uh, it was really great because with the repeater you, you can contact you know uh, people from you know, uh, from Argentina and from uh, south of uh, Brazil so so that was really good uh, and yeah. so the the we want to launch a pico balloon for the to see to, to have the experience right but uh, it's uh, it's it's much uh, interesting for the ham community a a a normal balloon that will okay it lasts yeah. for a couple of hours but then it's a whole day of uh, activity yeah and you know the pico balloon uh, if things work out right the pico balloon is going to go where you're not going to recover it basically you're going to it's it, going it, it to you want very, it very you want well it to, so that you can recover you want it to stay up for a week or, or a month or you know keep going you know so it can go around the world a n- n- number of times you know and um um we did recover one in uh uh poland and i had uh, pictures on here i don't have yeah it with yeah, me. yeah the I polish uh, team uh, recovered one of our balloons uh, that we sent. We thought they were going to gas it up and resend it, uh, but we never hear back from them. I think the COVID is so bad over there that they're all locked up or something, but um, that was going to be the first balloon that flew from here to Poland, stopped for gas, and then took off again <laughs> and came to the U.S., so uh, that was going to be interesting there. Uh, hey, somebody asked about uh, our, the show again. They said, do we not go to YouTube anymore? Well, here, here's the deal. This show is on YouTube right now. And if you're watching it on W5KUB.com, you're watching it on YouTube. You're really not watching it on W5KUB. Uh, that's just a YouTube player that's that's on our site. So... If you go to YouTube, you see the same thing. Well, it's the only thing. It's it's the show. But you don't see the chat room if you go to YouTube. If you go to YouTube, uh, you can still bring up, you can watch it there and bring up W5KUB and bring up the chat room. Or you can just go to W5KUB and bring up both YouTube and the chat room right there. So that, that's kind of how it works right there. Um so yeah, uh, you know you want uh, you want the Pico. What was that? What was it? Downloaded it, installed it, but and I, I I loaded it up, but uh, it has a list of networks. But I don't know what to pick. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, that's the secret. That's the secret, Alan. And Teresa's on here. I think she can tell us how to do it, and I can go look at mine. But what you need to do real quick is just go to that screen. Uh, where it says networks, and you yeah. need to add a network. Do you see where you add a network? Okay. You see that? Yeah. You type in uh, Libra, L-I-B-E-R-A, Libra.chat. I'm going to get you started here, and then okay. I'm going to mess you up. Libra.chat, right? You got that, and you click edit. Okay. You click the edit. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, this is where you have to put... This is where you will put the chat room name in, like w, the W5KUB, so it'll open there. And also, you got to put the chat room in there and a port number. I think up in that big box, you put uh, uh, Libra.chat slash 66, uh, I don't remember the port, 6698 or something like that. Well, 6667 was the one that was there. Well, yeah, but that won't, that, they're using a different one. I think they're using 66, uh, 
nine something. I tell you what to do. Do you see uh, right right below the chat room? Do you see right below the chat room? There, I got a link that says something about uh, uh, the IRC server or something. Do you see that? Okay. Um, me, I don't know if you see that or not. I don't. One says register. Uh, someone actually, I tell, someone I tell you what, click a, on that link at the, oh, yeah, well. Yeah, someone just put a, uh, a thing there configuring SASL for hex chat. So I guess that's yeah, 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 6697. Yeah. Uh, hey, if you go, if you go on the, uh, the, cl the uh, embedded client that I've got there, at the very top, you'll see I, uh, there's a little link that says register help or something like that. Register name. Oh, there's an info. Oh, register a name. If you click on that, that'll bring up the help. That'll bring up their help. Okay. And if right. you look, look at look at over on the left, there's a menu, and uh, one of the links on that menu tells you how to set up uh, your your uh, client. Okay. You'll get Tom, it. I was able to register the name and everything, but uh, when you register it, and you're successfully registered, how do you get it to a password that you want to know and use? Because it will, it, it bring it brought up this weird link that you clicked on, and I clicked on that link, and it said it was registered. So next time when I log into the chat room, do I use the password that I had whatever, registered? Whatever you sent in that string, your name okay. and whatever password you registered, you have to use that password. Okay. Now, um, there are ways to change your password if you ever want to change it. Okay. And we can get that information to you. All right. Uh, okay. So, um, the Pico, back uh, back to you, Charlie. Okay, so I, I'm still going to build. And I've got some material here. We're limited. We're limited to about 45,000 feet just because of the pressure and the material. And um, But I've got some material here, and we want to go higher. I'm going to try to go bigger and higher. And um, But first, I think I'm going to go more power. Our little our little ten milliwatt is only doing like nine thousand miles. I think that I think think the next high flight we're going to fly for for a Pico. I'm going to try to do at least a hundred milliwatts again. Um, we'll build a little amplifier and put on here. I might even try to go two hundred milliwatts. I wonder how two hundred milliwatts will do. If that that ought to do pretty good. It don't but. What's the benefit of going higher? Higher? Well, yeah. well, the higher, okay, higher, higher gets you above the storms because oh, because cool. because in the summer here particularly, and there are some uh, websites that you can go to, such as uh, windy.com and ventusky.com, and they're very helpful because. You know your your you know your latitude and longitude. You know your position, and you know your altitude that the balloon's flying. So you can go to that site, Windy, and you can you can put in that altitude, and and you can put your cursor on on the location, and you can tell what the wind speed is and everything up there, and you can even click on cloud tops, 
and there were times that we were flying at at 42,000 feet and we were going over cloud tops that were 41,800 feet high so it's uh, the little bit higher you go the more you're going to clear these storms in case a big one gets in the way you're going to you need to go over it you can't go through it it'll come down and uh, uh, but you know if you go too high if you go too high there's no wind up there if you go too high let's say we go up to 60,000 or in fact right now it's impossible let's say if you could fly at 60,000 or 55,000 the wind may only be moving uh, four miles per hour very slow so you know if you get back down in you, the you 40s geostationary yeah yeah <laughs> but <laughs> yeah there you yeah your satellite <laughs> well and i think that's the way this google uh, you know google what's their oh. that big balloon the loom or whatever they call it loom or whatever it, yes. it's up so high that it's not moving much but you know it's carrying a lot of it's carrying a thousand pound payload and uh so they can have repeaters and wi-fi and all that stuff on it and uh you know i think that's what they're wanting to do is is use it for communications but yeah i'm going to build up uh i think uh let's see four minutes of let's see what bill says Bill is saying that 200 milliwatts would be overkill. It's like running a kilowatt in a QRP contest. Would mean somebody seriously larger solar panels. Well, you know, uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I, these glass panels we're using, these glass panels we're using uh, have a lot of current capability to them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think they can do it. They can do it, man. Now... If uh, if ten milliwatts can be heard around the world, hundred milliwatts surely could. So we really don't need two hundred. But I want that thing to have a powerful signal, man. Forty-five thousand feet, you know, one watt at forty-five thousand feet. Uh-huh. I want it to be able to where Charlie can hear it down in Uruguay direct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. At lower solar angles, it's going to run less power, Bill. Uh, you know, we're going to we're going to run in, in high in high sunlight. We're going to run five volts on the MOSFET amplifier. But as we get as we get lower and lower voltage, the lower light, the amplifier is going to put out less and less and less. So you know, um, I don't know. That's our theory, and we're sticking to it. Hey Tom, I wrote yes. an article. For our local uh, radio club, North Alabama DX Club, I wrote an article on the uh, Pi Star hotspot that I got, and uh, it will be published in this month's uh, NADXC Long Path. Um, okay. If you go to nadxc.org, um, the uh, article will be published in this month's uh, edition. Um, and I think the deadline is tomorrow for us, so it will be published by this weekend. Okay, well, that's Sunday. cool. We'll uh, we'll look for that. We'll we'll look for it. Okay, now I have to find a note on my desk. This is not going to happen. <clears throat> I just did an interview with uh, 
ARRL, I'm going to be on their uh, the Eclectic Chat uh, podcast that they've got. And I want to say it's on the 23rd, and I can't find my note that confirms that date. Well. But, uh, it'll be in the ARRL uh, email announcements as well. Well, that's good. Cool. It, this desk is unmanageable. Yeah, Mark is saying we don't need a bigger battery to handle the lower light situations. Mark, we, uh, I think Mark knows this, uh, batteries don't operate up there as much as we have tried. Batteries will not, the uh, the LiPro batteries will not work at that altitude. They, uh, they turn off. And uh, we did a, we did a show, an experiment here on a show where we took the batteries down to minus 60 degrees celsius and the batteries just turn off it's like they're open at least it's good that they go open and not shorted all right if you're out there listening on uh international shortwave we are glad to have you this is amateur radio roundtable it's a show about ham radio send us an email if you're listening to us uh, send an email to tom at w5kub Dot com. I'd love to hear from you. I just got a text from the XYL downstairs that uh, my dog is sitting by the back door with her legs crossed. So I oh, gotta, you better go then. You better go. Walk the dog. So. All right, man. We'll, we'll see you. Good to see you again. Glad you're back. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. All right. Take care. Good night. Let's see if we covered uh, what I needed to cover here tonight. We still have a few minutes left for the show here. Um, still looking for volunteers, man. If somebody would like to call a 40-meter net, 20-meter net on Tuesdays, we'd love to have you. Uh, it'd be cool if you had a, a big antenna and, a, and high power, you know, so you can be heard. Uh, uh, we'd love to have you call the net, and we could uh, report in each week on... The results of how well the net's doing. Hadn't had a chance to play with my uh, Geochron clock anymore since I put it up. Been really busy on that. I uh, hadn't got my generator put in yet. You know, my 22 kilowatt generator, my home generator, I got the slab port, but everything is, everything is back-ordered. Everything. You know, a friend of mine told me this week, he said, like, he wants to buy a new pickup truck. And he said the manufacturers of these trucks, they have lots. Well, they have tens of thousands of vehicles sitting out there on the lots. But they're no good because they can't get chips. The chips aren't available. And if they don't get chips soon, they may destroy many of those trucks out there. So, and I see Glenn getting on the floor looking for that piece of paper. So, you know, uh, we've got... I'm sure the cat stole it. cat may have ate it. Let's see. Is there a DMR net? Uh, glad you asked. We have, our show has our own DMR talk group, 31693. 31693. I have a sneeze coming on, guys. I don't know if I can do this or not. 
All right. Sorry about that. Oh, gee. Okay, 31693 is our talk group for DMR. That's for Amateur Radio Roundtable. We've had that for about a year. Nobody's on that talk group. We need somebody to get get some activity going on Amateur Radio Roundtable talk group. Use it for anything you want to. Let's let's get some stuff going. I'd love to love to have a, a net on here, you know. you want to call it EMR net we would love to have you but I don't know I don't know how you're gonna find people to come over to it let's see oh don't remember where I was before the sneeze oh yeah we're talking about chips <clears throat> chips just I don't know they're on back order Estimated delivery on a lot of these chips, even for our trackers, is like six months. A generator, you know, we don't know when that thing's going to come in. Uh, I bought it through Lowe's, and uh, it's the Generac, the Generac 22 kilowatt, and, uh, uh, you know, I already, already paid them half the money. No, I paid them all the money up front. That was an expensive generator. So they've got all my money now. It's been three months, and it might be three more months, but um, I don't know. I want my generator. 31693 is our talk group. 31693 on Brand Meister, whatever that is. Yeah, program in here, and we'll, uh, we'll talk. Oh. It's the only piece of paper I can't find, but I'm pretty sure it's like the 23rd. Are you pretty sure? There's a commercial. Sure. Have you seen that commercial? You don't. You probably don't watch much TV. There's a commercial. Are you pretty sure? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, by now I hope people are getting prizes. That we we've notified everybody of all the prizes uh, that we gave out at uh, Huntsville. If you got a prize from us, let us know in the chat room here. Uh, give us your name and tell us if you got a prize here. We'd love to hear from you and uh, what prize you received. And I'm about ready for a snack. I don't know what I'm going to get tonight. I've already had ice cream and uh, cake. Been eating a lot of popcorn. What'd be a good snack tonight after the show? I've been targeting popcorn for tonight. Yeah. You know, I can't have that sugar and crap in the ice cream, so. Well. Well. I got to keep it semi-healthy. And yeah. it does look like it's going to be the 20, 23rd. All right. Well, good. And remember, the 25th is the East Tennessee Ham Fest. We're hoping it's a big one. So come on over. That's uh, near. Uh, hey, come on over and see Dolly Parton. Uh, we're right there at um, Sevierville and Pigeon Forge. A lot. There's probably more there to do than you would uh, uh, suspect. There is. Come down for the weekend. Come out to the Ham Fest on Saturday. I hey, Glenn, I got something for you. 
Look at my look at my camera. That that you know that radio by chance? No, I don't. That's a birthday cake. Oh wow! Oh. <laughs> Oh, I, I, isn't that one of them HW something? Yeah, hold, hold it up a little. Hold it up a little better. Let me look at it. Let me look at it. Oh uh, well, that may would it be one of the HW like a sixteen? Looks like a Swan. Maybe so. I, I don't know. It looks familiar. I don't know. I saw it on. I, I saw it on Martin Jew shelf. That's all I remember. <laughs> I'm gonna bet that's a Swan. Yeah. It yeah. could be a Swan three fifty or two fifty or something like that. Yeah. A wife w went and and actually uh, uh, made that for her husband. I I, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I, I remember. I think it was Alan that they made a cake. It was a fluke meter. A fluke meter. All right. Yeah. That'd be cool. I think it was for Alan. Or, or not? Maybe not for Alan. I don't know. Some crazy YouTuber I follow. <laughs> yeah, but he for his birthday he received like a, it was like a cake with a with a fluke, you know, a fluke meter. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it was Dylan. It was uh, this Australian guy. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Ah, I forgot to ask Alan if he saw uh, this uh, this uh, poll from Carson's lab that has this uh, huge collection of uh, huge collection of uh, tectronic uh, vintage uh, uh, instruments. Like like he, he made a, mm -hmm. a like a huge uh, basement for for all the for all the uh, tech uh, scopes and everything. So that's. That's really crazy. Uh, I was I forgot to ask Alan, but maybe next week, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, I wish I was going to that Sevierville Ham Fest. I mean, it's it's time for me to go to more Ham Fests, but it's a little bit too soon. I wish I, I could go to any ham fest. We, yeah. we, we don't have... No, the, but it's not because of, 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 of COVID or whatever. We don't have ham fests here because the, we are... It's a, we don't have the, enough... Uh, we are too, too few yeah. to have ham fests, you know? So within, uh, within uh, 100 miles of you, how many hams do you think there are? In total, in Uruguay, in Uruguay, yeah, yeah. there are uh, like fifteen hundred yeah. hams, which active, maybe ha really active, you know, maybe half. Yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. But so, so, but that's in in all of the countries. So, to make a ham fest, I remember we the the club used to organize some. Uh, where you you took your radios and everything and to show, but some n nothing like a, a real ham fest where you you meet. Uh, um, well, other you know, people, I, some also... some people some people in the U.S. are are combining the ham radio and computers. 
So they have a computer show and ham radio kind of together, you know. You might start something up like that down there, and you might get some activity, you know, more people uh, to 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 join. Yeah, join yeah. it. You know, it could be interesting. Yeah, Earl Earl WA4KBT, come on down to Sevierville. We we'll see you at Sevierville. We Earl Earl was our helper at uh, Huntsville, and uh, we couldn't have done it without him, but. Uh, Things are going to be easier now. In fact, uh, with this new thing I'm talking about, we could actually we could actually put on a, a basic live stream from uh, from uh, Sevierville. We, we might we might do that. I don't know. We might try to do a live stream while we're down here. I found my note. Okay. It is, it is the 23rd. <laughs> All right. Uh, it'll be announced on the ARRL uh, website and in their email feeds and everything. <clears throat> but it's the uh, Eclectic Tech Podcast that Steve Ford, WB8IMY, puts together. Mm-hmm. And uh, as soon as they get it on the schedule, I'll let you know date, time, and URL and stuff like that. All right. Well, I'm working on having a mystery guest on the show here in a couple weeks. Do I have to wear the mask again? No, no. I'll just I'll throw a picture up there. Oh, you're gonna get Michio? I'll just throw a picture up there. We, we haven't seen Frank Frank uh, FMH there in a long time. You ought to see if he's available. He, he's a very interesting individual to talk to. We haven't I, had Martin on in a while too. Well, Martin, I've talked to Martin. Martin, uh, hey. Martin's tired and he goes to bed early, but I mean he would like to attend. I think it's just that we're gonna have to move the show to three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You know, for Martin. That would work for me. We're past my bedtime now. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. I thought about calling Martin t- today again and and seeing uh, if he wanted to join us. But uh, I, I bet the chip shortage is driving him nuts. Yeah, he they're having a problem at MFJ. They're having a problem getting parts. Really are. What what is the main cause of? Because I, I've heard different things, but what's the the real main cause of the, of the shortage? The main cause. I I I don't know if it's the supply chain. You know, moving the parts. I don't know. I think a lot of it was the COVID outbreak shut them down, and then they had a large plant in Japan burn to the ground. Oh, it's really? Be out for several months, up to a year or two, before that comes back online. Because I've I heard water shortage. I've heard also that it's also the it's not political. It's a. Um, they, they they took advantage of this to do mergers of different companies and they are doing some mergers and so 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 that also uh, is part of the of the shortage i don't know well i don't know but i hope they get it fixed soon because there's my generator right there <laughs> that's my yeah. gener- i uh, think this will be a a good uh, lesson for 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 to for for the future, so that 
everybody in the business understands that this is more than just uh, doing business, that it's something that affects everybody, right? And everything. Yeah. Like nowadays, you have to take care of your cell phone because if it breaks, it, it's not the same as, as if it's broke. Well, you know, uh, I, I, somebody asked me from overseas, when I first started building the little trackers, they're very, you know, you had this, this tracker right here, you had to build it under, basically under a microscope. It's so small, I was having difficulty at first. And they said, well, don't you have a cell phone shop somewhere you can go to and maybe they could help you? Well, I don't think we have cell phone repair shops in the United States. And maybe in other countries they do, uh, where they get down to the to the component level, but here, you know, you just get another phone. Yeah, we. Well, I know uh, a, a couple of uh, uh, repair shops, but yeah, every you are getting. I've I've done repairs myself to those to my phones, like buying the parts and replacing them, but and some of really small parts, but not dealing with the. Uh, uh, PCB components themselves. Yeah. You need special gear to that for that. Right? Yeah, yeah. About all they do is replace the screens for you these days. Everything else is throwaway. Yeah, yeah maybe screens and batteries. Uh, th there's a lot of people that remanufacture uh, stuff <clears throat> and sell them like new. And I've or I've bought stuff. Be haven't been a factory. They call it different names, you know. But it's factory factory recertified or whatever you want to call it but uh, he, my brother works at, uh, at uh, uh, in his work there's a they, they deal with hundreds no sorry thousands or tens of thousands of laptops because it's uh, from from it's part of the in the education where we're here in Uruguay you're given uh, for all the public uh, students in the public schools, you are given a free laptop for for the whole uh, school mm -hmm. time. Yeah, uh, and then you can keep it. So, so my kids have. I uh, have lots of these. Uh, they are really uh, now. I, I don't have anyone for other laptops now, but they are all, all. You know, have uh, like uh, it's. We are having more than one laptop per per child here. Oh in yeah, Europe. yeah. Yeah, so he he works for the for the organization there, and they have a really important uh, workshop where they fix where they fix the laptops because there's there's so huge numbers that that it, it's it's uh, worth to fix them, and they fix them to the component level. So wow. they have a workshop and everything. Wow. Well, yeah, but we're talking about tens, tens of thousands of computers, right? So, so that's another thing. Yeah, most of the schools here have gone to the uh, Chromebooks. And again, they're almost impossible to get PCs and Chromebooks without some huge lead time. But I guess then I must have hit the lottery. What do you I got? have a question for you. Uh, I have a question for you. Hey, Arduino guy, I have a question. I have this problem with the Arduinos that I buy an Arduino, uh, uh, what is it, the Nano, and then I buy another one, and the serial port chip, the USB port chip, it's always the Chinesium one, but they're different ones. 
you know right. so i i'm having trouble with uh, some uh, linux drivers uh, for a raspberry pi that i have uh, to interface with for my it's for, that's for my job you know and i have to keep you know trial and error with different arduinos just to see which one i have no problem with uh, with the drivers yeah what you might want to do is go and look for a new driver uh, because originally they used the ch380 and now they've got the 381 and for the windows side it's a combination you can get a 380 slash 381 driver so you might want to go out and look for an updated linux driver for that yeah but you know that uh, i i've had some problems that I I, th I I think I'm using the, the the ones that work really well with no issues are the one that use the 380 uh, driver but I I don't think I think maybe it's some some of them that are not really well implemented that they're not really 381 compatible they say it's an 381 but they they don't really work well so I'm I'm having trouble with that Ever since I switched to that 380 slash 381 driver for Windows, I haven't had any problems communicating. I mean, I don't have problems to upload the the sketches. Never. Uh, that's that's solved. I I've, I've I've have all the drivers. I have everything. But then I uh, I'm interfacing the the the. It's a I have a power management board that uh, have a couple of Arduinos that. Uh, each Arduino do some specific task, and some of them are time uh, time dependent. So I don't want to mix uh, like uh, I to C with uh, with a time dependent uh, code. So I have two separate Arduinos and everything, and I interface that via a serial port to the Raspberry Pi. Okay. okay so you're uh, using the software serial stuff. Um. Uh, no, no, I don't. No, I don't know. I don't think so. Are you using an I/O pin to send the serial, or are you using? No, no, no. I'm using the the, the USB. I, I'm I'm interfacing via the USB. Yeah, to, that's to, probably going to be the USB uh, library then. No, because where do I have the problem? I have the problem on the Raspberry side by, uh, on I the have. Raspberry Pi side. Because uh, it's the Raspberry okay. Pi that that uh, well, when I when when I check the logs and everything, it's where it breaks down. You know, it's on the Raspberry Pi. I'm gonna bet the Pi needs to have that 381 driver. Y yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, would, I would go look for a very late model 380 381 driver, and it may address that issue. Yes, it's. It's a, a, a fairly new Ubuntu distribution, so uh, we had that problem there. We solved it by, by replacing the Arduino. Maybe the, the question was if you had like a like a uh, you know renowned source or, or where to buy them to, to to if you had that issue before, but I, I don't know. The thing is that we buy them and we never know what to, what we get. <laughs> yeah. Well, most of them are moving to the 381, and I, I'm I'm gonna bet you need to get a a more recent driver that supports the 381. Okay, I'll I'll do some tests with the ones that I know that work and the ones that I don't. And maybe maybe the problem is uh, 
I, I'll try to see if, if the problem is with all the 380s and all the 381s. I'll have to I'll have to do some more uh, 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 specific testing. You know, more more like uh, yeah. Something else I'm seeing here as I googled it, they're talking about uh, the Raspberry Pi 2 has issues on the USB port with current draw. Yeah, but this is not the issue because the the Arduinos are are uh, are uh, uh, powered through on the through the board. And and what I'm doing is uh, I'm I'm I I modify the the, the the cables so that I interrupt the the power cable. So I'm only using ground and the data wires. So I'm I'm sure that the I don't have like power loops on the boards. Yeah, because I'm seeing a lot. I'm I'm just did a quick Google, and I'm seeing a lot of issues with the Pi and the USB serial and the Arduino. In this case, it's the 4B. Yeah, we are using the basically talking about the USB ports we, on the we, Raspberry we, Pi. We, or the we are using the Raspberry Pi 4. Yes, we we are using the Raspberry Pi 4. Yes, the latest. Yeah, this this is pointing more to issues on the Pi side than the Arduino side. I'm not a Pi guy. Yeah. Uh, what you have, how about this? Try uh, connecting the Pi to a powered USB hub, and that you know that'll load. No, no, but but uh, as I was telling you, I'm not powering the the Arduino via the the. No, but you're you're using the USB port to talk to the Pi. Yeah. And what I, what I'm getting at is the Pi may not have the current to drive that. I would I would try a powered hub in between just to see. No, no, but I'm powering the the thing is that I have a cable between the I know the, with no Trust power me. with no power cable. When it, you, get, it into, only when have you get into weird stuff, do weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe I would try a USB hub, and that would. Put a buffer between the Pi and the Arduino. Oh, I see. Oh, sorry, sorry. I understand now. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I understand that for the USB part. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. That, that because everything I'm seeing here is pointing to it's an issue on the Pi side, not on the Arduino yes. side. Yes. Well, folks, but is, is... but, but, but what I. I'm telling you, I change Arduino and everything goes okay. So, so there are some Arduinos that are different from the others. You could and be they, right on a borderline condition. Yeah. All I mean, right, you know, guys. I want to say I got to say good night to all of our viewers and listeners out there. We're glad to have you tonight. Tune in next week uh, to Amateur Radio Roundtable. Thanks for being with us. All right, guys. It's time for. A snack. Food. Popcorn. Hey, Popcorn, maybe. Popcorn, peanut butter sandwich, maybe a two-liter Coke. I don't know. I'm for a peanut butter sandwich there, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I so, like peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if you drink a Diet Coke, see, that's zero calories, so you can have all the other stuff. See, it all cancels out, is what I understand. At least I read that on the Internet. And, uh, right. Yeah. Oh, hey, if you saw right. it on the Internet, it's true. 
Yeah, I, I miss my white bread though. My doctor told me to get off the white bread and get on the uh, what the wheat bread or the brown bread, whatever you know. I, yeah, I'm I'm on a yeah. a whole yeah. grain bread. You know, yeah. Basically, I'm on a super low carb diet, and breads and starches yeah. and stuff like that are just. Totally well, I tell out. you, I tell you, you can't beat good old peanut butter on white bread, man. I, someday I'm going to have one of those. Nope, I've got to have it on like whole wheat, or I'm into this uh, oat grain bread that I'm I'm really enjoying. All right, guys. Well, hey, I'm going to say good night to your body, and we're going to close the show down. See you next week. Had a good time tonight. Fine, great. Yep, we'll see.